0: Um, lovely hot day, sweltering heat. Yeah, we've been enjoying some good weather, right? Really nice. Yesterday, you should have saw me yesterday, I was just sweating from the face. World Cup football. What more could you ask for, really? A pint, maybe? Uh. (laughs) Uh, No, it's been, uh, you know what, to be honest, it's been one of the most difficult times for me to try and prepare a sermon with all these things going on, Um, but by God's grace, I'm here and I'm I'm looking forward to to sharing what what God has uh, laid on my heart um, over the course of the last few weeks. But again, it's good to see you. My name's uh, Dean, if we haven't met already. Uh, I've been a member of this church for, I think it's coming on 10 years now feels like a long time, but um, yeah, I came to faith at Ecclesia, and um, I've been a, a, a member since. Um, I was working away at another church for a, a year and a half, uh, I came back last year, um, but it's just good to be home um, and to, to settle with family, and this is um, uh, my first opportunity since to, to preach, so it's a privilege, um, and again, it's, it's good to see you all. So if I may, I'm going I'm to pray, and then um, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your, your revelation of yourself. Thank you so much for your words and all that you've given to us in the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can uh, come and meet as a, as a, as a body of a family um, uh, this afternoon and uh, to hear your word preached with, with, with no threat of interruption or... or Anything like uh, other Christians might experience in other parts of the world. Lord, we're we're free. Uh, And yet, Father, how free are we? Father, I pray that you would uh, speak to us today, that you would uh, loose any shackles, uh, Lord, uh, uh, remove any strongholds that uh, might be uh, uh, on us. Speak to our hearts, Father, I'm grateful that it's not by my words of persuasion or my efforts, uh, but Lord, it's it's by Your Word and by Your Holy Spirit that lives are changed, hearts are changed, and so Lord, would You do that for us uh, today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start by saying that we we are living in a age of technology, or or better yet, an age of high technology. And high technology is increasingly a part of our everyday lives. Uh, it's a feature of all our devices, our, our laptops, our, our TVs, our tablets, our, f- our smartphones. I mean, it's not strange to see people walking down the street like this, fully knowing where they're going. Although, some people almost bump into you, you get really annoyed. We're living in an age of high technology. And with this high technology, usually comes the need to, to update. To update software, and the recommendation always is to keep your your device updated to the to the latest software, software for improved security, uh, for fixing any uh, issues, or for general improvements. This is especially the case with laptops and phones, and so we have Windows 10, you know, up from Windows 8. We have Android Oreo 8, you know, up from uh, Android uh, 7 that's Oreo and Nougat, we have Apple iOS 12, up from iOS 11, I mean, this is exciting stuff for for those of us who are are geeky and into these sorts of things, who are tech savvy, Um, I'm due a phone upgrade soon, and um, I'm I'm considering which phone I want to get, you know, what what software it has, so, you know, I don't want to be left behind with, you know, because smartphones are only getting smarter, aren't they, I want to be left behind. But despite the enthusiasm of some, I know there are some of you here for which th- this sort of thing's a nightmare. You know, updates and all that kind of stuff. You're, you're purely pragmatic when it comes to laptops and phones. It's, it's practical. You know, they call people, they text people, and all that kind of stuff. Some of you are like that. And you get annoyed when your phones and your laptops um, come up with any sort of update because you feel like it's inconveniencing you every minute. Yeah? <laughs> or because you just don't have a clue. So you might be the opposite of tech-savvy, Brother Andrew. Um, And uh, usually you need to get someone to help you out, I imagine. Well, I couldn't help but think as I was preparing um, today's message that it isn't too dissimilar to what we'll be uh, talking about today. Um, The title or theme of today's uh, message is Formed. Formed. And it will be a journey, a brief journey, through the the history of the believer, uh, where they've come from uh, to where they're headed. And this history has been helpfully outlined in this book we've been following over the course of the last few weeks, um, uh, throughout this doctrine series. And it's helpfully divided um, that history into four sections, four sections, all of which include the word formed. The name of the first section is is just that, it's it's formed. Uh, The Bible tells us that, as human beings, we were formed or created, and not of our own accord or by some random event. Instead, God, like a master sculptor with clay, formed and molded us in His image and likeness. In software terms, you could say that, you know, maybe man 1.0 has been created. Let's, let's, let's say that. The name of the second section is deformed. That's because following being formed in God's image, something happened, which meant that human beings were deformed, deformed from God's image. The image of God was distorted in man through what the Bible calls sin, uh, which is a rejection or rebellion against God. And in software terms, again, we could say that maybe, you know, one man 1.0 developed, you know, some serious uh, defect or flaw and is now in need of some uh, a complete overhaul. Let's say that. The name of the third section, and this is just an overview before we get stuck in, um, is transformed. Transformed. This is where believers, uh, those who acknowledge their sin before God and have submitted their lives under the Lordship of Christ... Are being transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. They are in the process of being made more like the Lord Jesus, or at least they should be. And here we could say maybe we could say maybe man 2.0 has been born, with the with the capability of further improvement. And the final section um, that we'll be talking about briefly today is conformed. That's conformed. I'm sure some of you have heard um, that word before. Uh, this refers to a time when those same believers um, will be conformed to the image of Christ. That is, they will be made to look like Christ, to be just like him. And at this point, we could say that um, the next upgrade is, is to be confirmed. We, don't, we, don't know ex- we, we know what it will be, but we don't know the name yet or the version number. Let's say that. This final sense, in a sense, is the completion of God's work in the believer. God is, as Hebrews twelve two says, the author and finisher, or the pioneer and perfecter of the believer's faith. And I think um, a, an interesting point about these four sections, um, I forgot to give you an image there, a lovely little phone image there, of a phone updating. Um, The interesting point about these four sections is they seem to run in parallel to what the Bible's overarching story is, uh, which can be summarized as creation, fall, redemption, and glorification. Man was formed in God's creation of the world and everything in it. The image of God in man was deformed at the fall of man, where the first human sinned against God. Man is transformed When they are redeemed by God in Christ, and man will be conformed to the Lord Jesus when they see him. And so uh, this is just what we'll be going through today. And we're going to look at these in more detail now. Uh, But the first one is formed, formed in God's image. Now the idea that human beings are formed... um, or created is taken from the book of Genesis. And this is where the, the author outlines or summarizes God's creation of the world. And so we have um, Genesis one twenty six to 27, and 2, verse 7. Uh, so I'll read the first one. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the, the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creation that moves along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Again, we're told that man, human beings, were made in God's image and likeness. And what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, I think there are a few um, different uh, views or, or, or takes on what this might mean, and we don't have the time to, to try to look at everything that's um, out there, every possible view. But Wiersbe, um the author of our book, um, starts by suggesting that we reflect, uh, or, or we don't reflect in Rava, in, uh, primarily or not really at all, in our physical forms, in our, in our, in our bodies. Since John uh, 2 verse 4 tells us that, God is spirit. He then goes on to suggest, though, that we reflect him in our personality, in our responsibility, and our special destiny. Others' suggestions include the fact that we reflect God mentally or morally and socially. Mentally, in that we have the ability to, to reason and to make free choices. morally. In that we were created with a conscience or a, a moral compass, which gives us an, an indication of evil. Socially, that we were created for, for fellowship, for relationship with God and with others. Others highlight uh, creativity um, as, as well as our conscience. Uh, our Innate just, uh, sense of uh, or desire for justice, mercy and truth. Again, we don't have time to explore all of these, these different things. Um, but we would explore some, some in detail. What is clear, however, from the Bible, is the fact that God made man and woman to rule, to rule and to have dominion, or authority, to be his representatives on earth. And we see that here in Genesis 1, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the, in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis one twenty eight. And we're going to consider this and a, a few more of Wisby's suggestions in a little bit more detail now. So, uh, according to Toresby, we are like God in that we have a, we have we have minds, we have minds to think, we have hearts uh, to feel, we have a, a, a will um, for decision and action. Uh, he says that we're we're related to Earth in our physical, material bodies. That is, we're made from the dust of the Earth, but we are related to God in our immaterial souls. Uh, in our in our spirits, and this is what makes us unique, in God's creation. With this uniqueness uh, comes the suggestion that human beings have a, a special dignity, if you like, that we're not merely animals or or mammals, as some would say. And I thought it would be helpful uh, now to have the the, the definition. Of dignity here. I mean, of course, it might vary depending on how the context and how you use the word, but I think the sense in which um, uh, Wiersbe uses it here is, 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 is here. Uh, dignity, the importance and value that a person has that makes other people respect them or makes them respect themselves. He suggests that this special dignity or importance means that human life, it's, it's valuable. And Genesis 9, 1 to 6 supports that. Um, I'll, I'll read that quickly. But I found this really interesting, actually. It's good to be uh, reminded of, of, of scriptures like this. Sorry if it's a bit small, I'll read it out. Uh, then God blessed Noah and his sons. This is after the flood, where uh, the, the evil of man was so great that God flooded the earth. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky, and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, now I give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, i will surely demand an accounting i will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too i will demand an accounting for the life of another human being whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed for in the image of god uh, for in the image of god has god created mankind and i found that re- i found it really interesting just we can see here the value that god seems to be placing particularly on human life and yet it could sound uh, as we discuss this um, as though the suggestion is that human life is valuable but animal life essentially isn't and I know this might be a sort of a, a thing for some people, it is definitely in the world isn't it we live in a world that values animal life on the same level as human life animal life isn't necessarily viewed as being lesser than human life Animal lives matter, some might say. In fact, um, there are times when um, animal life appears to be esteemed higher than, than human life. People are quicker. People can be quicker to respond to a suffering animal quicker than, was, uh, than they are to respond to a suffering human being. There are, ki- there are campaigns for animal rights, vegetarianism and veganism on the rise, Many adopting these lifestyles um, uh, in protest of animal cruelty and uh, against sort of unethical practices in the pr- production of food, which is, which is fair, isn't it? Which is good. And um, I had a few suggestions of, um, or, or people who are vegetarians, high profile celebrities who, who don't eat meat, apparently. Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, ASAP Rocky. Russell Brand, J-Lo, Leona Lewis, James Corden, and um, Ricky Gervais. These are some high-profile people who, 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 who avoid eating meat. And I came across this really interesting tweet uh, from Ricky Gervais, uh, which was written not too long ago. Animals are not here for us to do as we please with. We are not their superiors, we are their equals. We are families. We are family, sorry. Be kind to them. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised by your reaction to that. I thought you'd be a bit more tame with that. Okay. All right. But it, 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 I, I appreciate it And it sounds a bit absurd to, 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 to some of you. There is, I think, validity to Ricky Gervais' statement. Uh, we shouldn't abuse and mistreat animals. We shouldn't do that. But the idea that we're equal is not a biblical idea and i'm going to (laughs) i'm going to avoid um getting into the argument about whether we should eat meat or not um um, but again i think the idea uh, that we absolutely shouldn't might be challenged by what we've just seen in genesis 9 god blessing noah and giving him license to take animals for food now, of course, if you don't want to eat meat for any other reason, again, you know, how they treat animals, it's completely up to you. But they're making it a biblical issue. I, I, it's, it's perhaps debatable. Now, the, the aim of me bringing this up isn't to minimize the value of, of human life here, um, but it's rather to, to emphasize the value or importance that human life um, uh, has in light of what the Bible tells us. Animals were also made by God, and they have dignity and value. At the same time, God has given us authority over animals as their superiors. But this authority shouldn't mean their mistreatment or the mistreatment of anything else that God has given us on his earth. Obviously and sadly, this isn't the case, is it, in our world today. God has made... A beautiful world with many beautiful things and creatures. But nothing quite matches up to his creation of man, who is made in his image. Human beings are the, the pinnacle, the, the summit of God's creation, even more so than the stars in heaven. Can you believe that? Man holds a, a special position in the created order. And they have a a God-given responsibility of subduing the earth and exercising authority over it, including over the animals of the earth. Animals show God's amazing wisdom, but they don't have the same facilities, the same skills, the same abilities, or uh, faculties rather, than facilities, as human beings. And they are not called to exercise the same dominion over the earth or over humans. They're not called to that. If they did, I imagine it would look something a little bit like the the Planet of the Apes. Um, but I think we we'll, we have to leave that to the cinema, because we are the, the dominant species. We preside over animals. We monitor them. We 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 contain them. We keep them for pets. We preserve them where necessary for species is is dying out. Much of our fascination with with animals is because they remind us of some of the things that we do but they can't do all that we do they can't they can't create like us they can't plan like us or at least not beyond their their god-given instinct which they do repeatedly and predictably birds they build nests bears they they stock up for the winter but we create, we create things like this. I mean, <laughs> I mean, sorry if you can't see it very well, but it's true, isn't it? We create things like this. This is what we do. Images like this show um, uh, the amazing things that man can achieve. But more than that, if we're looking with the right lens, it shows how amazing God, our creator, is humans have morality moral standards laws in place for the protection of society and preservation of civilized society animals don't animals are magnificent and they're not without intelligence but they're not as special to God's creation as man is, as we are we are formed in God's image this truth Uh, together with the the mandate that God has um, given us, also means that we're responsible to God. We're accountable to him. What we do on earth matters. And we're created for a, a definite purpose, to glorify God in all that we do and to enjoy him forever, to enjoy right relationship with him in his creation. Human life was, uh, it was never designed to be a, a meaningless free-for-all. It never was. So this section, um, being formed by God in his image, is true, of, is true of all human beings, irrespective of whether they are believers, uh, followers of the Lord Jesus or not. The next section is, is, is where things go wrong, uh, where God's image in man was Deformed. So we'll we'll, we'll head on to to that second point now. Deformed. Man was uh, created and formed perfectly by God. But something took place whereby the image of God within man became deformed or distorted. Uh, The Bible tells us that um, this happened when the first human being sinned. That's the story of Adam and Eve. And I won't take it for granted that we all know the story of Adam and Eve in here. Uh, most of us will be familiar, though I imagine, even if we're not regular churchgoers. But it's like when when someone becomes known uh, for what they did, good or bad, uh, in a moment in history. Uh, it's sometimes it's sometimes easier to remember people for oh sorry, the 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 bad that they've done rather than any good. And that's when someone's name becomes mud. So uh, you guys can tell me who that is, right? Zidane, Uh, oh, sorry. And what did he do? What do we know him for? What do we remember him for? What did he do? (laughs) 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 He got out fast, did it? He got out fast. He got out fast. i rate that. <laughs> <laughs> we all have fond memories. Are there children in there? We all have fond memories. Um, uh, Bill. Misconduct. let's go back one, alleged, (laughs) well a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it, mud, when someone's name becomes mud, and it's the same with um, Adam and Eve, Um, we remember them for their sin, I mean we we certainly don't remember um, Adam for his poem or or Eve for how helpful she was to Adam, we don't remember them for that do we, and what is is sin, well you know we bandy this word around, what is sin? So I was um, when I was working at um, uh, another church for, for a year and a half. I mean, what we used to uh, we used to teach the kids um, the meaning of sin in the form of an acronym. Um, so S I N, and um, S was for shove off God. Um, I was for I'm in charge. And N was to was was no to your no to your rules. Sin. And it's it's basic, but that, that I think that does sort of um, sort of pick up what sin is. Shove off, God! I'm in charge. No to your rules. And it's a basic it's a basic stance or or attitude that all human beings take uh, following Adam and Eve's sin. And for the sake of time, I won't recap the the whole sort of detailed story of um, Adam and Eve, um, but I'll try to give you an executive summary from Genesis two and three. Maybe um, I'll just uh, I'll leave that. I'll just leave that. Don't worry. Sorry, sorry, people. So um, at some point um, uh, in the creation uh, of the world, God formed the first man and woman, and He gave them all that they could see before them. Every good tree um, with, with 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 food to eat, and He basically said, "You know, go. It, it's yours. Uh, fill the earth. Tend it. Keep it." and and multiply in it he gave them only one law or restriction and that's uh what we see here um in genesis 2 and the lord god commanded man he said you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die so that was the, the, one command was to, to, to go and to, to do and to fill. And the other one was, don't do that. And so they went about their business. But then came the introduction of another character, a serpent, who approaches Eve and uh, raises doubt as to uh, whether what God had said uh, was, was, was actually true. And so he went on to suggest that she, you know, she she, she go and eat the fruit. And she did. She was persuaded by the serpent. She ate of the f- forbidden fruit to, 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 to take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she, she brought Adam in on the, on the act. And this was the, the first sin that is commonly referred to as original sin. Um, and that is the sin of our forebears. If we trace ourselves all the way back to, of course, the first human beings, our forebears. The Bible tells us that death had entered the world uh, through this sin, physical death, and more crucially, spiritual death. And this would have and be of significant consequences, not just for not just for Adam and Eve, not for them and their immediate descendants, but for all of mankind, right down to us today. And I think there's an there's a illustration which you've... Um, uh, probably heard, you're probably familiar with it. Uh, and it's a picture of a, a sports team, and maybe maybe a football team. Uh, when one man scores, the whole team benefits, uh, especially if they go on to win. One scores, all celebrate. But if your goalkeeper concedes, then the whole team suffers, especially if you go on to lose. And it's like, um, I'm sorry, Liverpool fans, but it's like Uh, Liverpool in the Champions League. Uh, It's it's, it's a great illustration, bro. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of it or if you heard, but um, uh, uh, Liverpool's goalkeeper essentially served up the ball on a plate to an opposition striker in a Champions League final. This is one of the, I mean, just below the World Cup, maybe. And uh, they conceded a goal from that, and they went on to lose. Sorry, Mark. Um, but this is a mistake that he will regret for you know, the rest of his life, in one of the highest-profile games you, you can play. This was a, a, a mistake which contributed to his team's loss, and that opportunity won't come around too often. But not only did it affect the team, it affected millions of Liverpool supporters um, around the world. Mark knows I love him anyway, so yeah. so it is with Adam and Eve. They they transgressed. They rebelled against God in breaking His command, and as a result, the image of God was marred within them. And both kinds of death came to us all. We die physically, and before Christ, we don't have life. We're dead spiritually. Romans 5:12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. And I imagine there's um, a, so many ways in which um, this distortion, uh, this shattering of God's image within us, uh, plays itself out more than I can hope to highlight today. Um, but we could perhaps summarize it as having uh, broken relationship with God and broken relationship with others. I, I, know it, I know it's deeper than that, it gets deeper than that, but we could, we could summarize it as that. Man enjoyed open access and free fellowship with God, but this would no longer be the case. That privilege was revoked. God is infinitely pure. He cannot dwell in the midst of sin, which is worse to him than cancer is to us, say. Sin is detestable, deplorable. It's disgusting. It would be like keeping company with putrid, rotten flesh. If we were to truly see sin for what it was, we wouldn't be willing to to play with it on a daily basis like, like like a baby with a dead rat or something like that. What we do, we play with sin. Man was banished from God's presence, being separated from the, the light and life of God to dwelling in darkness and death. And more than that, his ability to reflect God suffered. Our, nature's, our nature changed We became corrupt in our being, behaving in ways and doing things that God hates. Human human beings were were, were no longer God-centered, but they became self-centered. They no longer had the desire to obey God's rule and to rule under him, but they now desired to rule for themselves. This mutiny in the camp had to be snuffed out and not only that adam and eve became to fear their relationship with god if you're uh, more familiar with the story uh, we know that after they committed that sin they ate the fruit they 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 saw that they were naked they went and uh, uh, cut some leaves and covered themselves up uh, up and they hid in a bush from god who they'd been walking with and enjoying fellowship with since he made them something terrible had happened something had changed and we see the effects. We don't have to go too far to see the effects of uh, our brokenness, the brokenness of human beings in this world today. We don't have to go far. Just turn on your TV. Or go to the news app on your phone. Or you get alerts to your phone so you see it. You don't even have to look for it. We see it in the way that we treat each other. From Cain killing Abel to, to war to genocide to colonization, to slavery, to all those things. I can just about begin to to reel off some of the specific events that have taken place in my lifetime, in our lifetimes, let alone since Adam and Eve sinned. What about everyday life? Why did God have to give man the Ten Commandments? Telling us not to murder, to cheat, to, to steal, to lie, to covet or to desire what is not ours. Something went horribly wrong. And not in the sense that you know, God's wacky experiment went wrong. Not at all. This was brought on by man and his sin against a holy God. It's man's fault, not God's fault. And I know some of us might have problems with that. I know certainly people outside of the church have problems with that sort of thing. Why did God let that happen? The problem in our societies today is that we don't look like or reflect God. In a very basic sense, we still bear the uh, image of God. We still all those things about us being able to create and reason and all these good things, we still bear something of his image. We still have the, the, the worn collar label and his hallmarks are in our abilities. But his image is severely distorted. It's blurry so that you can make out the, the silhouette, but you can't, for the life of you, make out the details because they're grossly inaccurate. Something like, Something like this blurry image we don't reflect or look like God in all the ways we should but instead we bear more of a resemblance to uh, God's adversary the devil also known as Satan this runs deep this runs to our core it's serious and it's beyond a, a serious it's beyond a a, a quick fix or an update this is a total recall situation this is faulty cars on the road that are going to kill people get them off the road that's what this is destroy the product start again as the damage is seemingly irreversible and it would be like you know, opting to spend a fortune on trying to repair a car after a high-speed crash rather than just cutting your losses and getting a new car. It's a total write-off. Man 1.0 is no longer fit for his original purpose, and he's in need of a complete overhaul. And again, with, like with the previous point about us being formed, this uh, situation... Uh, is one that all human beings find themselves in, irrespective of whether they are believers, followers of Christ, or not. And it would be a miserable ending to the story, wouldn't it? Uh, if it stopped here. But we can thank God that there is good news, and there's, there's hope. Um, and the, the next section um, will, will, will walk us through that as I go there. Transformed transformed to God's image and by his Holy Spirit. I mean, it might hardly feel like uh, things can get much better from what we've just considered. And if it does feel like we can, then I probably haven't done a good enough job. But there is hope, and it's game-changing. That system overhaul we've been talking about has been commissioned by God Man, 1.0, can be transformed. And uh, transformation, as we go through it, is, is somewhat synonymous to sanctification. Um, you know, that process, um, uh, what, what we've already discussed in this series, and it's that, that, that process of being made holy or being set apart. To be like Christ... There's a sense in which the image of God is being restored. And some of us here might feel like we're, we're missing a step. Because uh, we seem to be talking about transformation before talking about justification. Um, the believer being declared righteous by God. Well, we can see transformation as incorporating justification being declared righteous by God uh, through his son and sanctification. We can see it as incorporating both of those. We don't need to see it as a step being missed here. And again, this is all outlined um, in this book, which we've been encouraged to, to pick up and, and follow with the series. There is no sanctification without justification, and justification necessarily leads to sanctification and Transformation, but how is that transformation possible? Well, simply, it's possible in Christ. Let's have a look here at, uh, Romans five and Romans, uh, sorry, First Corinthians fifteen. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And the next one. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is referring to the sacrifice made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Who the Bible tells us is the only unique son of God. Most of us will be familiar again with, 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 the, with the story of Christ. You know that he, he lowered himself. He became a man um, with the purpose of sacrificing himself for sinful humanity. In order that we might be restored to right relationship with God, who is their creator, who is our creator. And not only that, but be restored to God's image. And un- unlike those um, high profile uh, people who we mentioned earlier who were remembered for bad, there's nothing bad that we can remember about Christ. Why? Because he lived a perfect, sinless life, he did no evil. He was without sin. He was the perfect man. And lived the perfect life on earth. And this was how, when we were originally created, this this was how we were supposed to be. But obviously, we couldn't do it. He lived the perfect life, honouring God. And he served others. He loved others. But that's in stark contrast to how we live our lives, isn't it? Humanity lives dishonoring God and hating others, serving themselves, not loving their neighbors as themselves. Jesus did what we couldn't do. And in so doing, he made the perfect sacrifice when he uh, went to the cross of Calvary, And laid his life down for us. So that we might be fixed and healed. Ephesians 2 tells us that in Adam, before trusting in Christ, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That we walked once according to the course of this world. In disregard of God and in rebellion against him. Romans 1 tells us that we were, we were futile in our, our, our thinking and that our, our hearts were darkened. Sitting on the, on the throne of our hearts were ourselves and other created things. We couldn't be any further from a holy God. And yet, this God sent his son to save us from our sin and to restore his image in us, Let's look at Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This shows how we can be transformed, how we are transformed through Christ, through putting our trust in his sacrifice and what he's done. And the the verses in the Bible that um, are most commonly linked to this idea of of transformation, which, again, I'm sure you'll be familiar with, are these is romans 12 1 2 therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship do not uh conform to the pattern of this word but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will Paul's appeal uh, could be summarized um, here in these two verses as uh, a call to, to dedication and to transformation, the former being as important as the latter. It's like what um, guest uh, was um, uh, shared with us uh, a few weeks ago when he spoke about sanctification, that there are different degrees of, of sanctification, and we must avail ourselves Um, to God and to the Holy Spirit for for ongoing change. Paul also, uh, within his letter, calls on Christians to be slaves of righteousness and not slaves to sin, using their body parts for what pleases God and not for their sinful desires. So that that means that the the tongue that... uh, once told lies, would now testify in church of God's truth. The hands that stole um, would now serve in church. The legs that were quick to run to evil would now run away from it. Slaves to righteousness, using our bodies for good. Paul calls believers to offer uh, or or, or sacrifice their own bodies alive uh, that they may serve God and bring him glory and this was to be a a, a once and for all offering us uh, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice but also an ongoing uh, commitment and dedication and it's you could think of a a bride and a groom maybe um, who uh, on their wedding day um, commit themselves to, to one another once and for all when they tie the knot and they become one and this has implications for what they do with their bodies, doesn't it? They promise to, to serve one another and not to give themselves to anyone else. Married couples may also rededicate themselves uh, to one another as they renew their vows. Not necessarily their love for one another, but their vows. Reaffirming the things that they had promised to each other on their wedding day. So it's just this idea of, of a once-and-for-all uh, commitment and uh, a, a, a rededication. That's what Paul calls us to. Uh, an ongoing commitment and rededication. And this is um, the sense in which Paul is writing here. Uh, that believers may um, themselves, once and for all, commit themselves and in an ongoing way. And Paul's urge today... Um, or, or hear in these verses, and for us today, uh, if we have in, in fact received God's mercy, is to do the same thing. The offering of our bodies as a living sacrifice to serving with all he ha- we have. And I won't for a second pretend that this is easy. It's not an easy thing to do. But we must avail ourselves and give ourselves This is impossible without God's help. But with God's help, we can commit ourselves and, in an ongoing way. Paul urges dedication. That God saved people would dedicate themselves and their bodies to him. But to this he also attaches his appeal for for, for transformation. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now, to be conformed um, is to be molded in in the likeness of something, to be uh, similar in form or type. And Paul calls his readers not to conform to the world and the world's way of doing things, but to God, essentially. Basically, they shouldn't do as the world does or be as the world is. They shouldn't think and do as the world does they should go in the opposite direction. They're to follow God's map for living and not the world's map for living. And so, uh, as you know, uh, to be transformed is to, is to change. And this is similar to the word uh, transfigure, which we find in um, uh, Matthew 17, where Jesus was transfigured or changed before his disciples. He was completely different. It's the same word. And I don't know what comes to your mind when uh, you hear the words uh, transform um, or transfigure or metamorphosis, but maybe predictably, I think of of the Transformers. (laughs) Um, It's pretty predictable, I know. Um, But you get these machines who um, uh, come in a sort of personified uh, form uh, with obviously arms and legs, and they can transform into cars and all that good stuff. Um, But I think you get the point. This is how we're to be. We're to be completely different, to be transformed. And this is by the renewing of our minds. This is by committing ourselves to the reading of God's word and to his Holy Spirit as we pray, as we dig deeper into his word, as we learn and, and um, hear more and more what he's, what he's saying to us. We're to dedicate not only our bodies but also our minds. And I think um, I was having a, recently I met up with one of the guys, sorry, and we had a really, really helpful conversation, a long chat about this sort of thing, about um, this whole image of God uh, stuff and, and being transformed and being renewed. And he raised a really helpful point that, uh, as Christians, we can get caught up in the sort of, okay, we get saved, we're justified, and then we go straight to heaven. We're just waiting for the finish line. And it can be a lack of, of emphasis on, on sanctification and, and transformation that should be taking place in the meantime. We don't quite give ourselves to um, the things we should, uh, but we settle. We can settle with a past, we can settle with a sea. We'll settle for bronze, not really going for gold. In pursuing God's holiness, in striving to be holy as he is holy, and perfect as he is perfect. And this could be the case with some of us here today. Maybe we've been walking with God for uh, a while now, for a minute, uh, we're veterans, in that sense, but we've settled. We've, in a sense, we've we we we've stopped giving ourselves to, to, and uh, uh, availing ourselves, as as Tayo said. To, thank you. To the to, to the renewal that comes via the Holy Spirit, by God's word, to change. We. Now, there are many ways in which we can be mature as people, isn't there, in, in our years, um, in our experience. But how are we spiritually? Are we mature spiritually, even if we've been in the, the faith for, for however many years? Are we still given to being like our, our Father in heaven, to being like Christ, which we're called to do? How is our Christianity how are our uh, prayer lives how are our how is our devotion how is our giving how is our service how are our relationships do we love do we have grace do we forgive are we patient I mean I could I could go on, the list can go on. And with each question comes another jab. My simple suggestion is, let's continue to uh, be given to the process of sanctification and transformation to to godly maturity. That's all of us, that's including me. So that we can serve as examples and... um, and to be guides and a help to the younger generations who are coming up under us. So all of mankind was, was, was formed in God's image and deformed from God's image by sin. Believers are, are, are justified and transformed to God's image by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, and by prayer. Man 1.0 has been has been overhauled. And man 2.0 is in effect after Christ. And those same believers will eventually be conformed to the image of Christ. Now for the sake of time, I won't uh, say all that I was going to say with my last point. But I'll, 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 I'll wrap up uh, very shortly. Those who have put their trust in Christ Uh, Will have uh, the image of God truly restored in them as they are conformed to be like Christ, to be as he is when they see him. Jesus is the, the Logos. The Bible says that he is the invisible image of God. Oh, he is the image, sorry, of the invisible God. So when you see, sorry, when you see Jesus, you're in a sense seeing God, what he's like, what he does how he behaves, how he serves, how he loves. All of those things shows us who God is, and that's who we want to be like. We want to be like Christ. Dear friends, we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been known, made known. But we Uh, know that when Christ appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is talking about being glorified, being conformed uh, to the image of Christ and that's not only in, uh, in respect to our bodies but it's also in relation to our character and how we are now we've been using this illustration of, of software and um, uh, software that needs to be upgraded it's flawed and it's in need of repair or replacing our software when we're in Christ has been repaired but that's not the end of the work. Glorification is still to come, to be conformed and moulded, to be like Christ. This is like being upgraded further, and uh, maybe not 2.0 to to 3.0, if you like. You know, it's it's, it's bigger than that. It's deeper than that. I'd say, if not 4.0, then like Man X or something like that. You know, like, you know, Windows 10 jumped from 8 to to 10, and w- iPhone went from eight to to x you know glorification is coming for those who put their trust in christ and maybe um, that's not that's not you today maybe you're you're back at 1.0 and you're in need of overhaul hopefully you'll have seen your need for overhaul today the fact that we need christ we need Christ and we, we don't get to, to, to heaven we don't get to glorification we're not transformed unless we're in Christ so let me uh, call the team back up um, just as I as I close now if any of what I've said today um, regarding I'll be informed deformed Transformed believers and conformed has, has, has struck a point of view, like to discuss anything further, please come and talk to me. Come and talk to Pastor E, Pastor Rob, or any of the elders about uh, anything that I've said. And again, if you'd like to uh, commit yourself to, to Christ, knowing what he's done for us, knowing that the condition that we're in as human beings without him, then again, um, you're welcome to to come and to come and pray with one of us, or or to talk to me further about it. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to, to one of the guys, one of the guys or the Christian you came with. So I'll, I'll I'll pray as we close. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.